0: On Saturday, February 22nd, inside the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder will be fighting each other in a very highly anticipated rematch. In fact, it's the first really big fight of 2020. This is basically a 50-50 matchup. Everyone in the media, all the fans, all the insiders, the pundits, they all seem to be 50-50 on this one. Flip a coin, right? The first fight ended in a controversial draw. Many people out there thought that Tyson Fury did enough to win, even with the two knockdowns, and he should have got the points victory and that he got ripped off. There's just as many people out there who feel the draw was just because of the two knockdowns that Wilder scored. So me... I've been pretty consistent about this since the first fight, since really the night of the first fight. I was cool with the draw. I think that Tyson Fury, although he boxed very well and made Wilder look downright amateurish in spots, he gets a little more credit, I think, than he deserves. And there were several swing rounds in that fight. If you go back and watch a second, third, fourth time, I've seen the fight three times now, you can see several swing rounds where you can make a logical objective argument for either fighter so all in all i was fine with the draw and i'm good with this rematch i think it belongs on pay-per-view this is obviously a joint venture between fox and espn pbc and top rank and there's going to be a lot of fanagers watching the numbers of this fight because if it does well at the box office it could lead to other big fights like this down the road between two platforms that you know work together, even across network ties. So a lot of people are going to be paying attention to the numbers. Of course, we'll be talking about that subsequent to the fight in the coming weeks. Reminder. This Saturday night, right here on my channel, I'll be doing a live fight commentary. So for those of you who can't get the pay-per-view, tune in here on my channel. You'll get live, second-by-second, blow-by-blow updates about what's going on, and we can chat about it live. Also, even if you're getting the pay-per-view, come back here on the channel to watch it with me. You guys probably have multiple devices anyway. You'll have the fight on your TV. Pull my pull uh, my channel up on your uh phone your tablet whatever it is and we'll chat about it live okay so huge ad viewership during the super bowl and the lead-up has been great both fighters have done an outstanding job of promoting this fight i personally believe anything less than a million pay-per-view buys is a failure for this card with all the promotion that's gone into it and the lead-up. I think it's been a great, great build-up, great promotion so far. Both fighters have really done their job. Before I break down the rematch, let's go back to December 2018 and talk about that first fight. Okay, uh, Attendance at the Staples Center in Los Angeles was over 17,000. That was the announced attendance. There was a big fight week walk-up purchase, particularly by UK fans who traveled over. And they're expecting that again in Vegas. Now, we're not going to have as many people seeing this fight live because it's at the MGM. They've scaled back the capacity seating there. But it will do a much larger live gate because the tickets, obviously, it's it's in Las Vegas, the casino packages and everything. The tickets are more expensive. So this fight's going to do a great Live gate, and I do think it's going to be a sellout. There's still tickets available, but of course, there's going to be that fight week walk up, especially with the UK fans that always travel well to Vegas. I think it's going to be a sold out show that's going to do an impressive gate. First fight, most feel, many people out there feel, Fury won the fight in terms of rounds. I don't think you can really argue that. Knockdowns in the ninth round and the twelfth round, of course. That was enough for Wilder to get the benefit of the doubt and maybe escape with a draw. when a lot of people out there feel he probably should have lost that fight. You can make an argument either way. Again, I was cool with the draw. What I liked about the first fight, which I I feel a little overrated, it was a good fight, a good fight with a lot of tense moments, but it was nowhere near this great epic heavyweight battle. It wasn't nearly as good as when Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua fought a few years ago and some other recent heavyweight fights, but it was a damn good one. The best part of it though was that the climax, the crescendo, was in the 12th and final round. Deontay Wilder lands a three-piece, a one, two, three combination that drops Fury. He's it looks like he's out. I remember watching that fight live. I think I did a live fight commentary on my channel, and I was saying, hey, gonna get up. This is over. Lo and behold, a few seconds later, he gets up. And not only does he get up, he fights hard. He fights hard down the stretch of that round. Now, there's some controversy. Some people wonder if it should have been changed to a 10-9 round because of what Fury did. If you go back and look at the punch numbers and watch that round clearly, guys, that was clearly a 10-8 round for Deontay Wilder. Zero controversy. On the flip side, there are some people saying that Jack Reese's count was long. Tyson Fury, or I'm sorry, Deontay Wilder deserved the knockout win. That's ridiculous too. The 10-count... Look, refs don't have a stopwatch. The 10 count is a discretionary kind of thing with the referee. And I absolutely feel Jack Reese made the right call in letting that fight continue. And it's because he made the right call that we're even having this rematch right now. So all that controversy in that 12th and final round, all that drama is what's leading in perfectly to this rematch. I love it. That's the way it's the best way. For something like this to all work. You don't want the crescendo to be in the second or third round. You want it to be at the very end of the fight. That leaves people wanting for more. According to CompuBox. And I should say. I always say this when I talk about punch numbers. They're not gospel. But they do give an indication. They do paint a picture. Okay, I understand CompuBox isn't 100% accurate. But it's let's say 90% accurate. And they've done studies to show this. So there's maybe a 10% Gap where it could be off, but these numbers do paint a picture as to what we saw in the first fight. Tyson Fury landed 84 of 327 punches, 26% overall accuracy. Wilder landed 71 of 430, 17% accuracy. Wilder out threw Fury in 11 rounds. He threw more punches in 11 of the 12 rounds. However, Fury outlanded Wilder in 9 Rounds And he was more accurate in 11 of the 12 rounds, okay? So, let's review this. Overall, Wilder throws more, lands less. Wilder throws more in 11 of the 12 rounds. But Fury outlands him in 9 of the 12 rounds and is more accurate in 11 of the rounds, okay? Wilder landed more body shots, mostly a stabbing body shot, uh, a jab, a stabbing jab to the body from Wilder. I thought that was pretty interesting. And I think that was a smart thing that he needs to focus on in the rematch. I'll talk more about that in a second. Interesting note. I talked about Wilder outthrowing Fury in 11 of the 12 rounds. You know the one round he didn't? The 10th, which I found very, very interesting because he dropped Fury, of course, in the 9th round. Fury came back with a vengeance, with a Fury in the 10th round. His highest offensive output in the fight Contrary to popular belief, it was not the 12th round. Wilder actually threw and landed more in the 12th. Fury, his best offensive round of the fight, was the 10th round. Screw punch numbers. Just go back and watch the fight, and you'll see what I'm talking about. He responded to both knockdowns in a big, big way. However, uh, the 12th round, he didn't have a round after that. That was the end of the fight. But the knockdown after the 9th round, comes back in the 10th, has his best Most dominant round of the fight for Fury was the 10th. I found that very, very interesting. Some uh, very telling punch stats. Wilder landed just one of 31 punches. 3% in that 10th round after dropping Fury in the 9th. I think that's very, very telling. And no one's talking about this. Copybox gave him credit for landing one out of 31 punches in that 10th round when Fury went off and had his best round. So... That paints a picture. If that can be duplicated several times for Fury in the rematch, he could win this fight going away. Can he do that for 12 rounds? Also, uh, Wilder's jab eroded in the championship rounds. He threw 23 jabs per round for the through the 1st through ninth, then 15 per round in the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Most people feel, many people feel, that... Fury won the 10th, well, he clearly won the 10th, and the 11th. And he won a good portion of the 12th after getting dropped. So when you think about it, Wilder's jab, although he didn't win most of the rounds, first through nine rounds, he still landed, or he won a few of them. And I think the the jab is a key to victory for him. Wilder landed 31 power punches. Nine of those punches were in the ninth round. Seven were in the 12th round. So he landed, basically, 15 power punches in the other 10 rounds of the fight. So the ninth and 12th, if you look at the punch numbers, you think, oh, it was pretty close. A lot of Wilder's best work came in those two rounds. And that is why so many people out there feel that Fury got ripped off on the cards and deserved to win that decision. Uh, Wilder landed 15 had had landed coming into that first fight with Fury, he had landed 55% of his power punches. He landed just 17% in that first fight against Fury. Okay. I mentioned all this because it is relevant when we're going to break down the rematch in just a second here. Let's do a quick tail of the tape. Wilder 42 and oh one draw of course 39 knockouts. He's listed as six foot seven, eighty-three inch reach, thirty-four years old, twelve-year pro. 30 in 5 as an amateur, only credited with 35 amateur fights, but it was enough to get him to the 2008 Beijing Olympics where he he won won a bronze medal. Started boxing late at 19 years old. He's only had one pay-per-view fight, of course. Uh, That was uh, the—oh, I'm sorry, he's had two pay-per-view fights, sorry. The first pay-per-view he had was with Fury. 325,000 sales according to numbers that were released and reports that were out there. In the rematch with Luis Ortiz, that was subsequent to the first fight with Fury, 275,000 buys. So clearly, Wilder's not this huge, massive brand that everyone says he is. He needs the dance partner to get the numbers, okay? Because if he was this big A side, his numbers for that Luis Ortiz rematch would have been higher than his first fight with Tyson Fury. So, it's clear that while he's a growing star, he needs that dance partner to really, really transcend. And that's what he's going to get here in this rematch with Fury. He's had an oddly managed career. Several promoters and managers, currently has three managers. Very, very strangely managed career. I, I think there's been a lot of blown opportunities, but the last year or so, things have really started to work out for him pretty well. Won the WBC heavyweight title from Berman to back in 2015. He has defended it 10 times against mostly lackluster opposition. Although, he does have two wins over Luis Ortiz, who is considered a top 10 heavyweight. However, I don't consider him an elite-level heavyweight. There's only a handful of those. So, to date, Deontay Wilder does not have a victory over an elite-level heavyweight. Now, Tyson Fury, 29-0-1, 20 knockouts. Stands at 6'9", 85-inch reach. Super crazy long reach. Uh, 31 years old. He's actually younger than than Wilder. Doesn't look like it. Doesn't feel like it, right? Kind of feels like these guys are the same age. He's actually the younger man. 12 year pro though. So he's been pro in terms of years just as long. However, there was almost a three year hiatus there. So less fights and he was out of the ring for almost three years where he ballooned up in weight, came back down, was really on the brink of disaster in his personal life. Great story to come back from all that and be where he is. But is that Is that going to catch up to him in the ring in some way? We shall find out. Uh, Also had 35 amateur fights. This is crazy. 31 and 4 amateur career. So both of these guys have just a very similar history. Okay, Uh, Mostly European level uh, amateur. No Olympics or anything like that. But big difference between Fury and Wilder, who I mentioned started boxing at 19. Fury from a boxing family, right? Started fighting early. Very, very comfortable as a boxer, as a fighter. So I think he's the more natural boxer. That's pretty obvious when you look at the two of them fight. He's just more uh, natural and comfortable in the ring. Wilder, there's a lot of tenseness with him. And things don't come just naturally to him. He has to think a little bit before he acts. Therefore, he telegraphs a lot of what he does. However, there's dynamite in that right hand. And so far, it has bailed him out throughout his entire career. One day it will catch up with him. Will this Saturday be the day? I don't know. But it will catch up to him at some point. But that right hand is so explosive, it's made up for his lack of comfort and natural fighting and and boxing ability in the ring because he started boxing so late. Fury's been doing this since he was in diapers, right? Another oddly managed career, though, for Tyson Fury. He's had six trainers as a pro. Three different promoters, all right? So both of these guys have had a lot of noise around them, a lot of noise and drama in terms of so many people around them, so many different managers, promoters, advisors, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes that's a good thing for some people, sometimes it's a bad thing. For Fury, another big difference, he does have an elite-level win. He beat Vladimir Klitschko back in 2015. Now, I'm not going to get into the details. He ended up testing positive for uh, an anabolic that same year before he ended up fighting Vladimir Klitschko. To me, that puts an asterisk over the victory, but the bottom line is he still got the W over an elite level, first ballot Hall of Famer in Klitschko. Uh, So that is an elite level win that he has. Of course, there's the cocaine after the suspension. He was stripped by us at Ring Magazine. We no longer recognized him as the lineal champion you can't not show up for work for almost three years and get fired essentially uh, for conduct and still be the champion. That just doesn't work that way. So we stripped him five fights since his return. After all that craziness, four of those five fights have been against complete journeymen. Okay. So he's looked dominant. He wasn't dominant against wilder necessarily but he's looked dominant against his other opposition but it's been very limited opposition there's no argument here wilder has fought the better opposition over the last couple of years between the two of these fighters now overall in their entire career that's a different argument but over the last two years wilder has faced the better opposition all right let's talk a little bit about the rematch um first i want to talk about the intangibles okay And I talked a little bit about this on my podcast yesterday, The Neutral Corner. I talked a little bit about momentum. Momentum is huge in boxing. And if you look at most of the intangibles, they favor Wilder. I mean, on paper, he's supposed to win this rematch, okay? The experience factor is now even. Going into the first fight, December 2018, Wilder had never faced an elite-level opponent. I talked about that. His opposition was pretty horrible for most of his career. His first 20-some-odd fights were against guys I could beat. I could beat several of the guys he fought. I'm not saying that to diss them. I'm just saying it. it's just a, it's just a matter of fact. This was a guy who was in the Olympics. But because of his limited uh, time boxing, his late start to boxing, they kind of brought him up slowly. So he did not have big fight experience against elite-level opposition, guys who were really skilled, athletes who could box that were in their physical prime. He didn't have that going into the first fight. Fury had those 12 rounds with Klitschko. Now, was it a god-awful fight? Was there all the asterisks I talked about? Sure, but he still had 12 rounds in the ring with a guy who's among the top 10 or so heavyweights of all time and he won the majority of those rounds. So that experience he brought, and by the way, he went on the road to win that fight. He went to Germany and fought Klitschko there, right? He had experience going on the road, fighting an elite level, tall, athletic heavyweight who hit harder than him. Klitschko hit harder than Fury, of course, and he won. He did the same thing the same game plan, I should say, against Wilder when he fought him in Los Angeles. On the road, fighting a big athletic guy. In The difference was Wilder was in his physical prime. Klitschko wasn't. But he had that experience, and he took that into the ring on that night. Now, in the rematch, Wilder has those 12 rounds with fury that he can go back to, that he learned from. So the experience factor to me is even. Okay, I think that's a huge, huge intangible that people are not, talking about. Wilder learned on the job in that first fight with Fury. Fury had been there, done that already. He had had his learning on the job lesson against Vladimir Klitschko, a fight that he won. Wilder had to learn on the job against Fury. And he almost won in the 12th round. He almost iced him, almost had him out of there. So when you look at the experience factor here now, it's even. Wilder had a much better 2019. That's another big factor here that people just, some people are talking about this, but Fury went up against two journeymen. He looked great against Tom Schwartz, didn't look great at certain spots against Otto Vali. Now we had a nasty cut. That's another intangible. I think it required 40 plus stitches. How's that going to hold up against Deontay Wilder's jab or right hand? We don't know yet, but When you look at what Wilder did in 2019, yeah, he had a mandatory against Dominic Brazil. It is what it is. He iced him in the first round, really the first big punch he landed. But that fight against Luis Ortiz, who again is a top 10 quality heavyweight, who would have been a solid perennial fringe contender in any era of heavyweight boxing, the 90s, the 70s, he would have been a fringe contender in those eras. Good, solid heavyweight boxer. And yes, Wilder was behind on the cards. He was... You could almost say dominated in that fight on points. But he, w- he thought, he made adjustments, and he set up the right hand. It wasn't just a freak punch out of nowhere. That's kind of what happened with Dominic Brazil. With Ortiz, he set that up. Go back and watch that fight. He took several rounds to set up that right hand and got it through. So that was a methodical performance from him. Not great, didn't look awesome, but another learning performance. All the momentum. In terms of who they fought recently, favors Wilder coming into this rematch. Another big thing, Tyson Fury just switched trainers. Now, I talked about this on my show again yesterday. Had Fury switch trainers right after the first fight and had two camps with the Crunk team. Had camp uh, for Schwartz and Valine with the Crunk guys. This would be his third fight with them going into the rematch with Wilder. I'd feel much better about it. But having just switched trainers now after the Otto Valin fight, he's been working with these guys for a couple months and people say, well, he's got experience with crunk. He visited the crunk gym for a day or two, 10 years ago or something. Right. And it was a different system. Then I understand it's the same type of system, but Emmanuel Stewart was running it back then completely different in a lot of ways. So it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as having real fight camp experience there. He hung out there and trained a little bit, but this is a completely new world for him. Just a couple months before the biggest fight of his career. That generally speaking is a big red flag in boxing. Not all the time. There are always, always instances where you see guys switch trainers a million times and it works out for them, but switching trainers right before a big fight, A lot of times doesn't work out well. Uh, So, a couple more things. Is it just me or does anyone else notice that Deontay Wilder seems to be doing a lot less trash talking in the lead up to this fight than he normally does? If you look at his recent fights, talking about wanting a body on his record, uh, talking about to this day, remember the whole to this day thing going into the first fight with Fury? There's been none of that. For the most part, he's been pretty quiet, he's been pretty tame. I think that says something. I think it says he's really dialed in and focused on this rematch. And he's coming in here taking this more serious than any other fight of his career. Now, on the same token, to me, it looks like Tyson Fury's taking this fight pretty seriously, too. Because I've seen videos of him training. He looks firmer. He looks a little harder and more in shape physically than I've ever seen him. I, I, you guys have seen this stuff on Instagram and YouTube and all that. He looks good. I, he, I think that both of these guys are going to – Wilder's always in shape. But I think we see more mental focus, emotional control and discipline on Wilder's side than we've ever seen. And we're seeing a renewed physical dedication on Fury's side. So I think that means we're going to get a hell of a freaking fight. I, I, it actually makes me more excited for it because with Fury, all this crazy stuff going on outside the ring, you know, mental health is an issue for him. You just don't know if he's focused or not. Last year, he goes off and does the WWE thing. And yeah, he made a ton of money It helped promote the fight, obviously with Wilder, because maybe that brings some attention and some pay-per-view buys over for this rematch. But you just wonder, how focused is he? You look at his body, you see he was pretty damn focused. At least physically, he's dialed in. So those are all intangibles and X factors. Let's get to the keys to victory for this rematch. All right. For Wilder. I talked about focus and discipline. Tyson Fury is doing all sorts of crazy talk, and he's talking about going in there and knocking him out in the first two rounds. He's talking about masturbating seven times a day to stay strong, eating a lot of pussy to keep his chin strong. I mean, these are things he said, okay? It's not coming from me. These are things he said, obviously. Wilder has seemingly seemingly stayed very focused through all that. He needs to do that in this rematch. He needs not to get mad And fall into a trap where he's just going for a one-punch knockout. Because if he does that, it will feed right into what Tyson Fury wants to do. Tyson Fury, the first fight, did a lot of trash talking in the ring. He stuck his tongue out. He waved his hands around. He was shucking a jive and joking around in there. And I think that frustrated Wilder at times. Wilder cannot get caught up in a cycle where he's throwing bombs and Fury sees them coming from last week. And he slips them. Pokes him, prods him, and gets out of range, You know, gives an angle, and then Wilder has to reset, and they keep doing that dance. If Wilder gets caught into that, he's going to get outboxed, and this time around, I think the judges will get it right. If uh, Fury does what he did in the first fight and doesn't get dropped, he's going to win this fight walking away. Also for Wilder, he's got to pump up the offense, Pump up the punch numbers, the volume. I talked about in the first fight, he threw 430 punches. Go back and watch any Deontay Wilder fight and just look at the punch numbers. Look at the output. He's throwing many more punches around than that. This guy normally, he's up in the 6-700s if he's fighting that long. That's how many punches he's throwing. He really, really slowed down the offense because he got stuck in that little snake charmer kind of dance that Fury does where he's shaking and moving basically, you know, 280 pound, 20 stone, uh, Michael J Fox, right? He's just shaking and moving, shaking and bacon. And Wilder got stuck in that and kind of got lulled to sleep a little bit. And his offense slowed down. He needs to pump up the offense. He needs to throw six, 700 punches in this fight. That's how he's going to set up his knockout. I actually think he needs to throw a lot more than he did in that first fight. And, he needs to throw the left hand. Don't just fall in love with the right hand. I saw, you go back to that title-winning fight against Berman Stavern. I, I think that was back in 2015. Wilder threw a really nice jab in that fight. He just worked off the jab and won the fight basically with his left hand. He stopped doing it after that fight. I don't know why. Everyone and their mother knows Wilder's bread and butter is the right hand. Tyson Fury is going to be looking for that right hand all night. If you go back and watch the first fight, that's all Wild, or Fury was looking for. He was looking for that right hand coming on this side, and he was just ducking under it, looking for the right hand, ducking under it. And there was a couple of times where he got caught slipping, and he got hit by the right hand. But for the most part, he slipped him by a mile. And Fury, or Wilder, was way off balance when he threw it. If I'm Wilder, faint the right hand and start shooting some 45s. Don't have to throw a hook that's easier to see. You don't throw an uppercut it's easier to see. Throw a 45. Give him that awkward angle with those long, crazy long arms that Wilder has. Throw it like a rope and shoot a 45 there. And you can change the angle of it and play with it. But even if that shot is blocked, you can still use it to push Fury off and push him where you want him, then shoot the right hand. So if I'm Wilder, feint that right hand, shoot the forty-five. even if you're just placing it. If if Fury's smart, he's going to go down like this. Once he sees that that's what Wilder's doing, he's going to have his right hand up to catch it, right? Okay, he catches it. Use it. Push him. Then throw that right hand. You could get some work done right there. It's sort of what he did in the ninth round to drop Fury. He kind of chopped it over the top of Fury's head. He saw something there, and I think that he could do that in this fight as well. But he's got to set it up with the left hand. He's got to set it up because if he's just poking with the, the left hand and then throwing huge haymakers with the right, Fury's going to see that coming all day. Use the left hand. Pump up the jab volume. Make sure that Fury, Fury has to see something coming. If, if I'm, I'm uh, Tyson Fury here, okay, looking in the camera. I'm looking at the right hand on this side, right? If I have to start paying attention to the left coming this way, especially if it's coming up at this angle, I got to start looking down here. I got to start watching for that. Then the right hand can slip in. So it's not just jabs up top because I can see all that. If I have to start looking down here, if I have to start looking and moving my eyes a little bit down, it's harder to catch that right hand, especially if you loop it, which Wilder does a lot of times. So, The left hand, particularly with the 45, some shots underneath, even if he's just touching Fury with those, they don't have to be knockout-level punches, that can help him set up a knockout blow. Now, four, Tyson Fury. The game plan's simple. He's got to stink out the joint. He's got to do what he did against Vladimir Klitschko. He tried to do it in the first fight with Wilder, and he did for the most part. The first six rounds of that fight were not very entertaining. Hell, the first eight rounds. It didn't get good until Fury finally got caught because he wasn't able to do it for a full 12 rounds. He needs to do what he did against Vladimir Klitschko and stink out the joint. Do what he did in the first eight rounds against Wilder in 2018 and stink out the joint. And just continue that for 12 rounds. How does he do that? Low offensive output. He needs to do the opposite of what Wilder needs to do. Fury needs to throw less. He, because the more if Tyson Fury punches more, that gives Wilder more opportunity to counter. So the less punches he throws, if he keeps it more to fainting, doing that shake and bake that he does, that gets Wilder thinking. Now, Wilder's just got to pump out a jab during that time. But for Fury, the, if he's punching, especially in combination... Wilder can time him and he could throw punches back at him and that gives him a chance to land the haymaker that Fury doesn't want. So Fury has to keep the output low. If you look at, I was just looking at Tyson Fury's uh, recent punch numbers. He threw 651 punches against Otto Valin in his last fight. He threw 158 in the two rounds, not even two rounds, against Tom Schwartz. So he was basically throwing eighty punches around against Tom Schwartz and against Otto Valin. He threw six hundred and fifty-one punches. Yet in twelve rounds against Deontay Wilder in twenty eighteen he threw three hundred and twenty-seven punches. Do you think that was by design? Yes, it was. Look at his offensive output in the fight with Vladimir Klitschko. He barely I think he threw uh Thirty punches per round. Yeah, I'm looking here. Thirty punches per round against Vladimir Klitschko. He only threw 27 punches per round against Wilder, so he needs to keep it right there, right around 30 punches or so around, just enough to keep Wilder honest, keep him off, use his angles, but don't punch any more than that. He needs to keep his punch output under 400. Again, it's got to be, it's got to be at least 30 punches around. Keep Wilder honest, but not much more than that because that will give Wilder chances to counter. Also, he needs to fight all three minutes of the round. This is obvious. It goes without saying. There's a couple times late in the fight in the first time around that he lost focus. And that's how Wilder was able to finally land a couple big shots and catch him. He needs to stay focused for all 12 rounds. Now, there's two schools of thought on this. Some people out there will say going into the first fight, Fury had been inactive. He was out of the ring for almost three years. He came back and fought uh, with Sefer Safari and Francesco Pignetta, two journeyman-level, well, particularly the first fighter, Sefer Safari, journeyman-level opponent. Pignetta at one point was a fringe contender type, but at that point had become uh, a journeyman. So he was not prepared to go a full hard 12 rounds with a top elite-level heavyweight. This time around, though, he has been active, and he's going to be able to go a hard 12 rounds. That's one school of thought on this. The other school of thought is Fury did everything he could do in that first fight against a very inexperienced raw guy in Wilder who's now got more experience, more confidence, and 12 rounds of tape to look at to learn from. And it's Wilder who's going to be better this time around. Fury's going to do the same thing he did before and Wilder's going to look better. Those are the two schools of thought on this. The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, in my opinion. Uh, But I'm going back to punch numbers really, really quickly. In that first fight, Fury limited Wilder to just six connected punches per round. Only four per round if you look at the other ten rounds where uh, Fury wasn't dropped. So other than the ninth and the twelfth round, Wilder landed just four punches a round. A big part of that, again, and the heavyweight average, by the way, according to Copybox, is 15 landed punches a round. So he kept Wilder for 10 of the 12 rounds to just four punches per round. All right. The way he does that again is by not punching too much himself. I'm going to repeat that. The more he punches, the more he gives Wilder a chance to counter and land something big. So Fury, unfortunately, for all of you out there watching, needs to make this a boring snooze fest. And that's how he wins. Wilder needs to pump up the volume, make it messy, get a little crazy in there, throw those crazy looping shots. Fury does not have the power to hurt him, regardless of what he says. He's going to have to be careful. Look, if... If Fury was able to land a four or five punch combination that Wilder didn't see coming, yes, he can hurt Wilder. But can he one hit or quitter Wilder? No, he can't do that. So as long as Wilder's focused enough to not get hit with a combination, one punch at a time isn't going to hurt Wilder. But if he gets pieced up by a combo, yeah, he can get hurt in this fight. Do I see it happening? No. I think Wilder just needs to stay behind the left hand. Stay behind the left hand. Set everything up with the left hand. It's not going to be all done up top. Go low. I loved his stabbing jab to the body in the first fight. He needs to do more of that. Go underneath Fury's long arms. Fury, when he starts doing that jab up top, boom, poke down to the body. Boom, poke down to the body. You do that enough times, you could eventually feint it and come over the top. It's the same thing where you can feint that 45, push off, boom, get a shot in there. That's what Wilder needs to do. So... How do I see this fight playing out? I think it's going to be the first half of the fight is pretty much going to be a repeat of the first fight. The difference I see this time around is Wilder is going to learn from the first fight. He is going to use the left hand to set up the right hand power. And somewhere down the stretch in the second half of the fight, I think he lands the big shot. And this time I think he keeps fury down maybe fury gets up and then there's a a subsequent knockdown you know two knockdowns three knockdowns in the same round prompting the referee to stop it prompting the corner to stop it something like that i see wilder winning this fight by late stoppage let me know what you guys think Make sure that you tune in for the live fight commentary Saturday night and for the Neutral Corner podcast next Monday where we will talk all about this. We'll chop it up. We'll review it. Detailed review. We'll take your calls. We got the American number back there. We got the UK number right there. Beginning calls from all over the world on the show. It's been great. I'll see you at the fights.